got a second COVID vaccine headed for FDA approval. Jillian Anderson and Peter Morgan are splitting. And we're joined by Evelyn Triboli to discuss intuitive eating. The date, December 18th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey? Yes? um, So I have to tell a very quick and short story that's going to get uncomfortable, and I know my mom listens, so I'm a little uncomfortable, but it's fine. It's going to be fine. So have you heard of the app Clubhouse? No, I actually haven't. I have not heard it. So, okay. So there's this new app. It's in beta testing. That's why there's not a ton of people on it, but it's kind of, it's this new app where people go on, they log on through their Instagram, and you have these little chat rooms. So it's like, OG AOL instant messenger chat rooms. Oh, but wait, it's all so it's voice. not it's not like dating and a dating no, 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 app. No. I was thinking it was a it's dating not. app. Oh no, okay. no, no, no. It's just you hang out and people have conversations. Oh. So it could be all these different topics. It's really cool. It's like going to a conference that never stops. Yesterday, these incredible group of black femmes uh, decided to have a room where they made men moan, and there was a per cash prize of three hundred dollars, which is like the <gasps> most insane thing ever. Yeah, they were having them moan on this That's room. That's amazing. And the room became so popular that like thousands of people were in. It, and there was a person named Lakeith Stanfield, the actor. Are you oh, familiar? Yes, I am familiar. <laughs> so he got in the room and it began to be a big thing on Twitter. And he participated in the moaning session. And um, it now was viral over Twitter. Now people uh, are talking so about it. So there is a audio video out there of yep. him moaning. Of gotcha. moaning. I got gotcha, so I just gotcha. needed to bring that up because it was right after we did the show that this happened. And I have been sitting on you this know all what? day. Do you know what, though? That checks out for me. He is, I'm going to say, like, big on performance art. He feels like a very big performance art kind of person. Yes. Yes, it, it, it was. And what I love most about it, I mean, this clubhouse is supposed to be like a private safe space. It's not supposed to go off the app. Um, Chet Hanks recently said some like racist stuff on the app oh, and that went boy. viral. So we're slowly seeing the app bubble around. So if you get an invite, join it. It is a key. We can all <laughs> hang out there and uh, we can join a mo- moaning contest, I guess. I did not participate. Just for, I'm setting the record straight. That's why I'm saying this on this show. I was not participating. That's so my mom knows. Okay. Because I did not have $300 yesterday. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Zach, it's time for today's top stories. What have you got for us? All right. So I have actual news to share with Ooh. everyone. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, unlike it, every other day when you don't yep, have news. <laughs> yep. I'm just referring to Lakeith Stanfield. All right. <laughs> It looks like the U.S. is on track to have two COVID vaccines approved by the weekend. The FDA's advisory panel voted 20 to 0 with one abstention in favor of Moderna's mRNA vaccine for emergency use. Here's Dr. Tom Frieden on MSNBC explaining how this mRNA vaccine works and why it's different from a typical vaccine. Think of it as almost like an email sent to your immune system that shows it a picture of what the virus looks like and gives it instructions on how to kill the virus, and then maybe like a Snapchat message, disappears. That's what the mRNA vaccine does. It's an amazing technology. And the fact that in less than a year, it's ending up in people's arms after being proven to be effective with no safety signals, that's really encouraging. Distribution of this vaccine, if approved by FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn, could start as early as Monday. Meanwhile, President-elect Joe Biden's cabinet continues to make history. Biden nominated New Mexico Representative Deb Holland to serve as Secretary of the Interior. If confirmed by the Senate, Holland would be the first Native American cabinet secretary. For those wondering what the Interior Secretary does, they're responsible for the management and conservation of most federal land and natural resources. They also lead the Bureau of Land Management, the United States Geological Survey, Bureau of Indian Affairs, and the National Park Service. 
I have to oh, say, that is it's amazing. amazing. It's hu- I mean, I, Casey, I don't know about you, and typically I don't talk about these things publicly, but this is the one cabinet position I was actually very, very happy about because it just feels very, I don't know, like reparations is a word. I just yes, feel it's, yes. like it's needed. I get what you're but saying. She's yeah. an indigenous mm-hmm. person. She has been such a fierce leader for these communities across the U.S., which we all know the history of the U.S. with indigenous people is disastrous. So now to have a person in community helping these communities and leading them, I just think it's beautiful. I love that this is the comparison I had in my head. But, you know, if this were a movie, I would say perfect casting. (laughs) (laughs) It is perfect casting. Unlike other picks um, that have been made that I can make gay jokes about, but I'm going to move on because, Casey, (laughs) I want to hear about some pop culture and entertainment news heading into the weekend because I think one of our favorite white rappers has done something. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, so Eminem dropped a surprise album last night titled Music to be Murdered To. B-sides. And well, it contains a few surprises. Among them, the rapper has issued a belated apology to Rihanna. The pair have always seemed to have a great relationship and have collaborated on several hits, which is why it surprised a lot of people when an unreleased song leaked last year in which Eminem rapped that he, quote, sided with Chris Brown following his 2008 arrest for beating Rihanna. On the song Zeus, he issues what seems to be a heartfelt apology. To be minus and T minus, but me long as I pre promise to be honest and wholeheartedly apologies. We honor for that song that leaked. I'm sorry, Bri, it wasn't meant to cause you grief. Regardless, it was wrong of me. But I'll be on my own. Yeah. Head up in the clouds like Zeus when they say you ain't the the track also appears to ignite a feud with Snoop Dogg, who made comments on The Breakfast Club last year saying the bulk of Eminem's success comes from the mentorship of Dr. Dre. Okay, you know, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, feud, I don't really care. This apology is so needed because what he did in the sighting of Chris Brown is just disgusting. And I will say this publicly here on the show, and I think you will agree with me, Casey. Chris Brown is the one artist I continue to skip whenever that comes on because of what he's done, even after this, to other women. Yeah. We talk about that, you know, uh, sometimes you're able to um, separate the artist from the art and sometimes you are not. And he is one of them where it's just like, that's not music I support. I don't support him. I don't support what he's done. Okay. And moving on to some surprising news that I just like didn't think would ever pop up. Uh, Jillian Anderson from The Crown and, you know, many other things has announced she's splitting with her boyfriend of four years, Peter Morgan. The pair recently collaborated on the most recent season of The Crown. Morgan is the show's creator. Anderson portrayed Margaret Thatcher and earned rave reviews for her performance. The pair have no children together, but Anderson has one 26-year-old daughter and two teenage sons from previous relationships. How is this possible? I mean, I get it. I know, I'm but sad. But this is really sad because I was, I was thinking they were the possibility model of how you have like a partner that you love and work right. with because they did such brilliant work on The Crown for years leading up to the latest season. I don't want to be like, you know... <laughs> saying queer every other word but she's a queer icon and if she wants to get a girlfriend (laughs) i'm here a lot of other people are here you know just let us know jillian casey i'm so happy and relieved (laughs) you said this because leading up to this conversation i was like do i say that she should become queer now or not because for those (laughs) allies listening is that jillian anderson is one of the most iconic people for queer women i have learned as in my time Mm -hmm. in media whenever i've seen an article published about jillian anderson like queer lady twitter is rushing oh yeah rushing to jillian anderson she she also she's also besides being like a queer icon she's extremely sex positive yes if you go onto her twitter she posts a lot 
of phallic images, but in like a very sex positive yes. way. It's it's great. I support her. I support everything she does. So I support <laughs> this breakup for her. I wish her nothing but happiness and gayness. All right. When we come back, we've got Evelyn Tripoli. Stay right there. Chief-It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. (laughs) We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Welcome back. With New Year's right around the corner, most people are making all kinds of resolutions, and a lot of them involve food, dieting, and losing weight. But what if that entire line of thinking was flipped on its head and people's resolutions involved a completely different approach to food? To explain that different approach, we're joined by Evelyn Tripoli, who literally co-wrote the book on and coined the phrase intuitive eating. Good afternoon, Evelyn. Good afternoon. I'm so excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. So can you walk us through what intuitive eating is? I personally didn't know what it was until a month ago when I saw a nutritionist talking about it on TikTok. 
I describe it in so many different ways. So I'm going to give you the short version and then I'll give you all kinds of other versions, whatever we need to connect. So one of the ways I look at it, uh, intuitive eating is about you being the boss of you, period. Nobody can tell you what to do. You Only you and only you know what feels satisfying in your body, what will appease your, your hunger and so forth and so forth. And so much what ends up happening with dieting by whatever name you want to call it, because it's so uh, shape-shifting, the diet culture, it gets sneaky. And this is about you connecting to your body and not outsourcing your needs to somebody else, some guru, some authority, some some diet industry. And what ends up happening, I see so many people that will say, oh my gosh, I know so much about food, the macros, the this, the that. And then often the tears will fall, but I don't know how to eat. Another way is to say it's a self-care eating framework where you are taking care of yourself and it's based. I'm really so happy to tell you that when we created this concept in 1995, it was inspired by a lot of research, but now we have over 125 studies showing benefits to our work, which is so, so, so exciting. And so we've, we've got this, that we're standing on some really good ground here. And we, we started doing this to help eliminate the suffering because people were thinking, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my body. I don't trust myself. And what ends up happening is when you, you know, go on a diet for whatever reason, whatever great intentions you have, your little salesman, they're scared to go, oh my God, she's not feeding me again. Here you go, get, get ready. Here comes a famine, <laughs> you know? And as I, I do this all the time, I act out the cells for my patients so that they can have compassion for their, their cells in their body because they have not been objectified yet by the media. And so what happens is when you're not getting enough to eat, you're in survival mode. And all of a sudden you're thinking about food, you're obsessing about food. You might have times where it feels like you lose control over the eating. And what this is, is your body's working so fine. It's trying to survive. Mm. So essentially intuitive dieting is anti-diet, but can diets be helpful or are you staunchly and firmly anti-diet? We are anti-diet, so we don't, we don't even say intuitive eating is a diet, and that's a common misunderstanding. So intuitive eating has 10 principles, and they are guidelines. They are guideposts. They're not rules. Intuitive eating is a journey of self-discovery. It's not about pass or fail. You don't even have to go in order, but when you write a book, you have an order. And one of the first uh, principles is to reject the diet mentality. And the challenge is, is that diet culture is all around us. So the question is, how can we do that? Even when you want to let it go. And I'd say start looking at your social media feed, start looking at what is influencing you and taking control and uh, curating it. That's one step. Um, I'm so glad that you brought up that dieting is all around us because the pandemic has led to a lot of people uh, gaining weight because they're just trying to survive. Yet there are people out there who are saying that now is the time to get in shape. So I feel like I'm constantly seeing it in my Instagram feed. But what do you think of this discussion around weight gain and weight loss during a pandemic? I want to go really deep here, if I may, with this whole issue about bodies and what our bodies should, should look like. And, you know, when you start looking at the roots of diet culture, there was a really profound book by the academic Sabrina Strings who wrote a book called Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Roots of Fat Phobia. And it shows how diet culture is actually rooted in racism and patriarchy. And this began a long, long time ago before diet culture hijacked healthcare, that it's, way, it's a form of, of hierarchy and, and a 
oppressing people and it's a form of, of, of stigma. And so instead I say, let's get back to connecting to ourselves and living in a way that feels good. Now, there's a lot of really cool research coming out of Stanford University by uh, Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist who talks about something called optic flow. And that is when you move your body, it does this cool thing to your eyes. When you are moving, your eyes are saying, I am safe. No predator is going to get me. <laughs> and that feels good. And so if we can start looking at the benefits of moving our body because it feels good and because you want to, that's something that becomes sustainable. And that's something that you end up thriving with. But when you start looking at this idea of trying to change your body and the size of it, there's a body of research that shows not only does it not work, yeah, work sh short term, no one's arguing the short term aspect, it doesn't work and it causes harm. And for the vast majority of people, uh, what will end up happening is it increases the risk of actually gaining more weight. It does the opposite regardless of where you started. And so we need to let go of this idea of body size and health and that there's more to our health than what we eat. There's also our mental health, our social health. And that's one of the things I've seen a lot with the pandemic is, you know, we, we, we've done a lot of social distancing and in that process, we're not having as much connection. In my experience, when it comes to your yearly physical, a lot of doctors focus on weight and BMI. Is that a good approach? Is that healthy? No. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank you for asking. Oh my gosh. When you start looking at the history of that, it is, first of all, it's so old and archaic. It was never meant to be used for, for individuals. And what it ends up doing is perpetuating weight stigma. I work with so many people that don't want to see their doctors. They don't want to get on the scale. And I tell doctors, you know, I, I haven't met a doctor yet that doesn't want to help people. But this creates a problem of shaming where people don't want to want to come in. Do you really need to have someone's weight to figure out if they got the flu or not? No. You know, so if there was some medical necessity, like for a medication or something, that might be something. But we need to look past that. It's such a poor indicator of, of what's going on. And there's a body of research that also shows that as well. Mm. So you talk about this stigma and in your book, you talk about how many people have eating disorders, whether they know it or not. When do these disorders begin and how big of an impact do parents and caregivers have when it comes to body image struggles? Oh, this is such a big, good question. The impact of caregivers, friends, loved ones, um, all of this has a lot of significance. And when we start looking at eating disorders, one of the things that just gets me is a new study came out last year showing that eating disorders have doubled in the last time period in which they were looked at over a 10-year time period. I think part of that reason is diet culture has normalized pathological eating. And I'm out. I am out to <laughs> change the world and to put an end to dismantle diet culture, which is such a big idea. But what I want people to start thinking about is let's look at our own areas of influence. We can stop the, the legacy of diet culture in our own families. Or if you're just living by yourself or with a roommate, can you in your in your own apartment or home, you know, how about we have this idea that all bodies are sacred, that we don't gossip about bodies. We don't denigrate someone's food choices. And these are little simple steps we can do in our spheres of influences, which in turn impacts culture. We are the culture makers, we can have an impact. Mm, and, and bringing up culture, you know, we are at the end of the year, it is the holiday season, and the most favorite thing that people do during New Year's is make New Year's resolutions about their bodies because of the food that they're eating around the Christmas table, their Hanukkah tables, what have you. What advice do you have for people right now who are feeling really anxious about having to go on diets and to think about their bodies in really critical ways starting in 2021, even in a pandemic? 
Oh my gosh. The first thing I want to say is I have so much compassion for you and I hope you have compassion for yourself. When we live in diet culture, it's understandable you have those thoughts and notice the anxiety provoking nature of them. What if we were to do a complete reframe, have an aspiration? And that is I am going to work at connecting with my body. My body is a powerful treasure trove. Do you know that just listening to the sensation of your body, it connects you with your biological needs and your psychological needs because every emotion has a physical sensation. I think that's just so profound. But when you're at war with your body, you hate your body, you despise your body, it's hard to listen, let alone respond to the, the messenger. And so I like to start with this idea, can we just start with respect? You don't have to love your body, but how about loving yourself? How about your, your humanity? How about having unconditional positive regard? for your humanity and not objectifying yourself. What would that be like? You know, and, and I, if I may say, I'm starting a, on January 4th, a, just a 10-day series on Instagram. If you want to follow along, I'm going to take people through the 10 principles of intuitive eating because it can seem daunting. Like, where do I start? You know, it's self-connection. Evelyn, thank you so much for joining us today and for dismantling diet culture. <laughs> no oh, easy thank task. you for helping me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're part of it now. <laughs> That's it for today. Join us Monday when we are talking about the wealthy people trying to buy an early dose of a COVID vaccine. We're talking to Laura J. Nelson and Maya Lau from the LA Times. And remember, Jillian Anderson, I can be your girlfriend. Let's make it happen. News O'Clock is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haperchak, Julie Karen, and Erica Nedanine. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesh Tikater, Samantha Hennig, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of Use the Clock. Hey, Randy. What you doing? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm just making a list of things that make me feel really, really good. Wearing Bombas socks. Trust me, that's number one on my list. Bomba socks feel so good because we use the smartest design and best materials, making them the most comfortable socks ever. Plus, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, we donate a pair for every pair purchased, and that feels pretty good too. To shop Bombas or learn more about how your purchase supports those experiencing homelessness, go to bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first purchase. You've always had the feeling that there's something strange about reality. According to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, there is. On the show, hosts Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick examine neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and much more. Prosthetics are true testaments to not only human craftsmanship and ingenuity, but also to the plasticity of the human brain. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.